Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Small groups, like Jason said, just around the corner. And if you're like, oh, I've been wanting to lead one, there's still time. You can lead one. You can catch Jason after the service. Or if you know exactly what to do, then you can just head to the website and say, start a small group, and you can fill it out on there. And we'll get those up and running. But those will launch really next week. So if you're like, hey, I've been thinking about you know, um, starting a group. And here's what our small groups are, is take the things that you love, the things that you enjoy doing, and leverage them for the kingdom of God. Your group could be, hey, um, I do a Bible study on Tuesdays, and I'm just going to invite some other people to join me, and I just kind of sit here, and I go through this together, and we're going to discuss. Or you could be, hey, we drink coffee, and you just practice your coffee art, or you're like, I, I go around and shovel driveways, and you're like, i got a driveway shovel. Whatever it is that you do, make, just leverage that for the kingdom of God. All right. With that, we are in a series called... What is it again? Relationship goals. There we go. Nobody helped me out there. Nobody else knows what it is either. Maybe we need to do better with our titles. I don't know. I work on the content. The titles are like, I don't know about that. But what we're talking about is marriage and relationships. And we have goals, desires of, of what we would like it to be, of what we see. Sometimes we see somebody else or another couple and we think, man, I hope that my marriage will could be like that, or man, I hope that one day my marriage is that, or why isn't my marriage like that? I'd love for that. And so we're talking about really what God's Word has to say about marriage and relationships. And so this week, we're going to talk about how to fight. Who likes to fight? Raise your hand. I don't know. What are we talking about here? Okay, so this week, we're going to talk about how to fight. But then next week, we're going to talk about sex. So next week, after worship, we will have an opportunity for the, the kids that are too old to be in tribe in there right now, but after worship, we'll have an opportunity for kids that you parents are like, I don't know about my kids being in here for. After worship, we will dismiss them, and they can head right on out, and Courtney's going to take them out there, and they're going to have some stuff going on for them while we are in here. But this week, we're talking about how to fight. So how do we fight? Now, anytime that I hear a couple talking about, and they're just say, they just say, that I hear them say anything around like, well, we just never fight. We just, we never argue. And I'm like, mm, come on. Like, 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 really? I hope so, like to an extent. Not like a bad fight, but if two people are the exact same, one of you is not necessary. Like, you won't. <laughs> You, there should be some disagreement in marriage. Like, you don't learn, have you learned anything ever from somebody who agreed with you? No, we learn from people who disagree. They say, wait a second, I don't know that that's a good idea. You're like, no, the minivan can make it through the snow. And they're like, no, it can't. You shouldn't go this way. I'm like, yes, it should. And I go, and we get stuck, and we spend hours getting out. I, she was right, right? Like, she was right. I learned it one way or another. But we don't learn from people who just agree. And in a marriage relationship, it is the same. A healthy marriage is not a marriage where there's no conflict. A healthy marriage has healthy conflict, where it's okay for our spouses to look at us and say, mm, I don't know, this isn't a good idea. I disagree with that. And it doesn't, ruin, it doesn't ruin the week, it doesn't ruin the day, it doesn't ruin the trip, it doesn't ruin dinner. We just are like, okay. 
what can we do here where our feelings are not made of China and every time somebody comes around, they don't have to tiptoe and like, well, um, I know that's what we were thinking, but I really don't think we should buy that vehicle right now because we don't have enough money to pay the bills we have right now. Don't talk to me about bills! Somebody explodes and you're like, oh my goodness, that's, that's not how it's supposed to be. But conflict, healthy conflict, should be a part of marriage. And remember, remember that no conflict where one person is just dominating the other one and the other one just says, well, yes, 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 you are missing out. That's not healthy. You're missing out on the input, the advice of your spouse. I need what Becca has. She needs what I... We see things totally and completely different. We look at the exact same thing and see different... It's just different. For her, she's like, I'm like, I think this is a good idea. And she's like, well, it's not pretty. And I'm like, ah, this works really well. I think this is great. And she's like, but it's not pretty. And I'm like, well, why do we need to buy that? And she's like, but it's pretty. It's... I don't, I don't think about that stuff. It doesn't make sense. Like, well, if it works, it works. And who cares how ugly it is? It's, it's, it's different, but that is a conversation we've had many, many, many times. But it applies in everything. We are different, but that's good. But God said, and I will make the two one. And we need input, so we need to be able to, to fight, to disagree. And I say the word fight because it's more fun than just say like something else. Like you, you need to be able to like disagree. I like fight. I just like it better. It just sounds like more fun. So how are we going to fight? How are we going to fight? Well, let me give you a little bit of advice on how to disagree, on how to fight. Number one is this. Turn the volume down. Turn the volume down. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I have several times, without thinking about it, we'll be in the car talking, and I have reached to turn the volume down when it's just Becca. There's no music. <laughs> Has anybody else ever done that in a conversation where they're like, and usually it's because like, her ears are popping and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't realize I'm talking so loud. I'm like, I do. Can you, can you, can you turn it down? But here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says this. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So turn the volume down. When we yell... It stirs up anger in us and in other people. It doesn't matter what we say when we're yelling. Like it, it, it doesn't come out good. I love you with all of my heart. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't want that. Like it, it's just not good. we got to turn it down. Turn down. Don't be a yeller. Don't be it. Turn the volume down and be sweet. Be sweet about what you say. Those harsh words... Harsh words, count the cost. Count the cost of what you're about to say. Because you might win an argument, but you're just chipping away at the foundation of your marriage. And you can win it by being mean, being hurtful, but count the cost. Proverbs 14.1 says this. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. And you can replace woman with man right there. You can build it or you can tear it down. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Remember how powerful your words are. And when you get married, when you're married, 
my words, Becca's words hurt me more than anybody else. You might look and be like, man, man, this guy's just all messed up, and man, what is he wearing, and that's no good, and his hair, and this is all wrong, and that's fine. Like, it don't bother me. But Becca says, I don't like that. that. It carries different weight when she says it. And you need to remember your spouse, when you get married, your words carry more weight and can do more damage. And they might be able to handle it from somebody else. But be sweet. Don't you be the one chipping away at your foundation because of what it is that you say. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, too much talk leads to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That is a good verse right there. Just be sensible and keep your mouth shut. How much trouble could you avoid if you just kept your mouth shut? If just sometimes you're like, you know what, I am not going to say anything. We're, we're going to have disagreements, and that's okay. But remember this. We tend to be, to, to take off the glove, so to speak, when we know we're right. That's the hardest for most of us to be sweet. When we know we're right, it's like, well, I already told you this. <laughs> Becca and I, um, this is a long time ago, but anyways, so we were, we were discussing spelling, which is something that I do, a subject I do not belong in, okay? I, I do not belong in spelling. I spell things the way that they should. The English, the English language is messed up. I spell things phonetically, and E-R, U-R, and I-R, I-R, all saying er is just wrong, okay? That's three different spellings. They should not sound the same. That's just, that's, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But anyways, we were arguing about spelling in the car, and I'm like, babe, that is not it. And she's like, yes, it is. But I knew I was right. And I remember we were driving, and finally, and she was literally laughing at me the whole time because she was right, and I knew I was right, but I was wrong. And finally, I look over at her, and I'm like, if I have to tell you one more time, it means you're an idiot. And she just busts out laughing because she knows I'm wrong. She knows, she knows I was wrong, and I was wrong. I was. I was wrong. Like, it was spelling. Spelling is not my strong suit, okay? I can fix, I can weld, I can do all kinds of other stuff. Do not ask me how to spell. Like, that's just, that's just not it. That is not my gifting. God said, go out and preach the gospel. He didn't say spell it, thanks goodness, or I wouldn't be able to do it. But when we are, when we, when we take that position of we know we're right, we have a tendency to be the ugliest. Well, I've told them three times. Well, how could you forget again? And we're right but we still need to be tender. We still need to be kind. We still need to be sweet. We still need to make sure that we're not being rude. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Like that one just had to be in there, that it's not rude. And it does not demand its own way. So we still need to be sweet, even when we know we're right. And then maybe you're like me and you know you're right, but you're really not. And then being sweet really pays off because you're like, I was actually wrong. That happens to me all the time where I get it wrong. But even when you know you're right, decide that you're going to be sweet and kind, that you're going to build your spouse up and not tear them down. I know you've heard it, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What in the world? That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Words can so make a difference. They so can. So be careful what you say. Count the cost. 
when it comes to what you're going to say. The next thing I want to say when it comes to how to fight is this. Don't be a historian. Leave the past in the past. Learn to forgive. Don't be an historian. It's always every time that you, you get in an argument, you're like, well, here's what I can do. I can just bring this up, and you're really good at it. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, where it says, love is, what is it talking about? It says, love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice at injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It keeps no record of being wronged. Don't, don't do it. Let it go. Have a short memory. I don't, this one is easy for me. It, it, it just is. I don't really remember that, that stuff. I don't remember that. You ask me, like, what, is, what has Becca ever done wrong? I, I don't know. I really can't think. I, we've had the disagreements. She had to tell me what the disagreement in the car was, that it was about spelling, because I had no idea what it was. I'm like, I remember I was wrong, but I don't remember what we were arguing about, just that I was really dumb, and that she still mocks me about it to this day, and it's in a funny way, and I laugh because I was really wrong. But don't be a historian. For me, this one's easy. But there's others of you that, that you just remember and you know. And man, it would be really nice and easy. And it is a perfect time to bring up that time that they forgot. Don't be a historian. Love keeps no record of when it was wrong. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Deal with it and then let it go. You deal with it, and then, and then it's time to be done. Have a short memory. Have a short memory. Heard someone talking about it, and they said this. is said, short memories, the, the advantage of a short memory. He says, take, take your wife and your dog and lock them in the closet for an hour, and then come back, open the door, see who's happy to see you. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. But one is like, wee, you're here, let's party. And the other one's like, mm, I'm ready to be like, why'd you lock me in the closet? There is an don't do that, but there's an advantage to having a short memory, to letting things go. And you want to know the muscle that you can flex that'll give you the greatest marriage? It's forgiveness. God's word shows us how to forgive. It says we're to forgive the same way that Christ has forgiven us. And how does he forgive us? He removes sin from us as far as the east is from the west. So we don't remember. It's not to use again. We deal with it. This isn't we just cover up, sweep it under the rug, and be like, yay, we'll pretend like it never happened. No, you just end up with a lumpy carpet. Like, deal with it. You've got to deal with it. But then, once it's dealt with, it's, it's, it's done. And I'm not going to bring that back up. I'm not going to hold that over your head. Like, okay, this is, this is what it's going to be. When when we were between, between jobs, I was doing, um, I do carpentry work, I lay carpet, I install carpet, and, and do lots, lots, lots of other things that I, I can do well, um, but the thing I don't do well is judge how long a job is going to take me. <laughs> she's, she's already laughing. She's, she's already laughing. So before we were planning the church, we'd stepped out of some other roles, and so I was, I was doing carpentry and all this other stuff, and she's like, well, how long until you're going to be home today? Like, what time do you think you're going to be back? And I'd be like, this should take me three hours, give or take five hours. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I do not know if everything goes well and I do. Like, that's that just the how long it's going to take me really, really swings. 
And I, I don't know. And sometimes you show up at a job and the homeowner tried to help you and they installed all the padding upside down and it doesn't work anymore. Well, this isn't my fault this time. I mean, most of the time it is, but now it's not my fault. So there, there are things that we have in marriage that it's like, okay, this person, they're, just, they're, just, they're not really good at this one thing. And so when I say forgive, it's not like we act like, okay, he's going to get it right this time because I'm probably not. But she's like, I know I have to give him an allowance of he's trying to do what he needs to do and he'll get home when he gets home. And sometimes it's way earlier than he expects and sometimes it's days later, not days, but it's way, way later because he's like, it just isn't, the job isn't coming together. It's, it's, it's just not. Or it's that job where I, for some reason, cannot cut the trim at the right measurement because I measured 41 and three quarters, but I keep cutting it at 42, or excuse me, 4D and three quarters. I did that three times. Three times the last piece of trim, and each time I had to redo, retrim, restain, rebuy the trim. And over and over I get it wrong. I make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. But what we need to do, you're like, that's why he doesn't do that anymore. Well, one of the reasons. <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to have allowances for our spouses to not be perfect. You know, it's so easy to judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our heart and our intent. But we just need to decide, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And if there's an area that like, man, they just really need my help in, help them in that area. But choose to forgive. Choose to forgive, to let it go. And even in the case of, of an unfaithful spouse, and you might, you, you have an unfaithful spouse, you have biblical grounds for divorce, but you also have biblical grounds to forgive. And you choose. And I know marriages that have come through it and come through it very, very well. But what they do is they deal with it. There's consequences. This is what we're going to do. There's things like you're never going to see that person again. And this is, you know, uh, but this is how we're going to deal with it. And you deal with it, but you don't, you still have to forgive. You still don't get to bring that up. It's not, well, I'm going to beat you over the head with this for the rest of our life. Yes, let's be together. No, it's, it's, we're going to forgive. Decide how you're going to do it. So when it comes to this fight and how we fight, turn the volume down. Think of the cost of what it is that you are about to say. Don't be a historian. Don't be a historian. Don't, if it's in the past, leave it there. Get your face, get your eyes out of the rearview mirror. You can't even drive forward. You can't go forward while looking in the rearview mirror. If you do, you're going to get in an accident. So get your eyes out of it. Look forward. Decide where you guys are going to go. And now, let me give you some ways to fight for your marriage. So those are some things just don't do. You need to be able to disagree. You need to be able to bring things to each other. And now, let's talk about fighting for your marriage. And number one is this. Get rid of the excuses. Get rid of the excuses. You ever, you ever just wake up angry? Or maybe you're like, you're like the woman that says, no, I never wake up angry. I always let him sleep. Like, I just, I just let him sleep. <laughs> but really, get rid of the excuses. Oh, it's just a bad day at work, and so now I come home, and I'm just not happy anymore. No, it's Monday, and I just hate Mondays. No, don't let the day of the week dictate how your day's going to be or not. Get rid of the excuses. Well, I'm just an angry... No, you're not. 
well, it's just been so hard at work that I come home. No. You, don't, you get to give your best to your spouse, not what's the rest. Give it your very, very best. Get rid of the excuses, one and all of them. Oh, I just have a bad temper. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can get rid of that. Get rid of the excuses when it comes to your behaviors at home. Like, what, what is this? No, we're not going to have excuses. Get rid of them. I like what Proverbs 31 says. It says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value, and she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She doesn't have excuses. She brings good, not harm, all the days of her life. No excuses. Another way you could say that is she brings him good and not harm all the days of the month. There's no excuses. Just, I'm not going to have a way out that makes it okay for me to treat you poorly. I'm going to do my best. Get rid of excuses. Don't let I do mean I'm done. Okay, I got you and now I'm done and now I'm going to go do something else. Fight for your marriage. Make it great. I said it last week, but the grass is greener where it's watered. And you want your marriage to be great? It will be as great as you make it. Or it can be as lame as you make it. It can be as bad as you make it. Be like, I'm going to make it great. And you can't control another person. Absolutely. Becca could do absolutely everything wrong and I could be a jerk. But when we do it right, when we do it God's way, and we're serving and we're loving them, what we're doing is we're opening the doors as wide as we can for that other person to walk in and say, okay, I want to make it great too. We're making it as easy as we can for it to be great. We can't control them but I can make it easy. I can do my part. So let me give you just a couple ways that you can fight for your marriage. So these are the 10 emotional needs of men and women. I'm going to read them real quick through you. We've got admiration and respect, affection, conversation, financial support, domestic support, family commitment, honesty and openness, physical attractiveness, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. So there's 10. Did you catch those? I hope so. So each of us have about five, our top five in those that are very important to us, that they're important to us. And if we're going to fight for our marriage, then let me just encourage you to this, fight for it in the way that your spouse receives it. When, when Beck and I first got married, um, birthdays, she's like, well, how are birthdays and what are you, I'm like, I think birthdays are a really big deal. And I want to make them, I, I, I think they're real. She's like, okay, great. Well, we had different ideas of what that meant. Just, just plain and simple, we had different ideas of what, what that meant. So for Becca's birthday, what I would do is what I'm sure she wanted, which I'd be like, okay, you and I are going to go out and I'll, we'll have time together. And we had kids, like she, we, we, we were pregnant like eight months after we got married. Kids showed up, like we did not have much time without kids. We'd only... Um, dated like six months before that, so we, we pretty much, we've had kids pretty much the whole time, like we had about a year without them, and then yay, kids, and they're great, we love it, but it was like, okay, so I'll find someone for the kids, and then you and I are going to get some time, and, and, and we'll go out and we'll do an activity together, and her birthday's in August, so maybe we'll go behind a boat, and, and it'll be you and I, and we will go to dinner, and it was all like, this is going to be great, and we're going to get some great time together, happy birthday. And then, she's laughing, and then, and then for my birthday, 
she's like, okay, well, what do you, let's, let's, she'd plan my birthday. And she's like, okay, for your birthday, we're going to get like people together and we're going to go to lunch with a bunch of different people and our different friends are going to be there. And we're going to go different places where other people are and we'll get to be around other people. Anybody noticing a theme here? <laughs> she would do for me what she wanted and I did for her what I wanted. And I was like, it's just you and me. My birthday's a happy birthday. Let's just go. I don't need anybody else. Let's go. And then she would do for me lots of people and getting around. And, and I'm like, this isn't what I want. And it took us a few years. We're that bright. <laughs> Before we were like, hey, you know what we're doing? I'm like, yeah. And now we got to sort it out. We figured it out. But so often... What we do when we're fighting for our marriage is what we want the other person to do and not, and not the way that they receive love from us. So I just listed 10 things, and here's what you need to do. You need to know what are your spouse's top five? How do they receive love from you? What's important to them? And you might say, oh, I've read that book, and I've heard that before, and we did that once before. How long ago? Because it changes. It changes. Probably heard it said before, but men get married, they marry a woman they think she won't change, and she does. And women marry men thinking he'll change, and he doesn't. Well, he, he, he just doesn't. But things do change. So what are they? What is it? How is it that your, your spouse receives? What, what are their needs? That they receive love. So again, for all of you that are smart and taking notes, here they are. Admiration and respect, that's number one. Is that your spouse's number one? Is it their number seven? Is it even important to them? It can help you know. Affection, conversation, financial support, domestic support, family commitment, honesty and openness, physical attractiveness, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. Admiration and respect. Let's just start with that one. Let's just go into this just a little bit. Ephesians 5, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Most men, this is in their top five, if not their number one. And even men who say it's not their number one, here's what you will find. Men gravitate to where they find respect. If it's at home, they gravitate towards home. If it's with their spouse, they gravitate towards their spouse. If it's work, they want to spend more time at work. If it's, if it's playing golf or a sport, they find themselves playing golf or sport. That's where they go. And it's so important that the Bible's like, hey, women, just plain and simple, guess what? Just respect your husbands. It's like, it, it, it will make a difference. It will make a huge, huge difference. And let me just say this. That respect looks different to different people. So it might not look like how your mom treated your dad. And it might look just like that. I don't know. But these are conversations that you need to have with your spouse. Fight, fight to make your marriage great. Don't be good at not being great. Make, make it great. Don't get in a ditch of, well, we're getting by. Make it great. Decide it's going to be great, and then you're going to do everything that you can to make it great. Number one was respect. Number two, affection. Affection. And this is, this is non-sexual affection, which is just, it's affection that doesn't, 
It's non-sexual, but, it, but it's affection. And it's something that every one of us know to do because before we got married, we were really good at it. And for many people, the reason why I think that they have a honeymoon phase and the honeymoon phase goes away is because they stop that part. They're like, we don't, they say, well, yeah, affection, that's great, but let's skip to the good part. And they get married and that, that, that affection, that love tank is full for a while, but then they kind of, as they've been married a while and they don't, they don't make any more deposits in it and that affection thing kind of goes away because, again, they're skipping to the good part. But we need to have that. It needs to be there. Some people, this is super high. Some, it's not. If your spouse is like, hey, I just need that affection thing, I, I need lots of that, the touching that's just, that's just, just touching. That, that's what it is. It's just a touch. And I, I need that. If your spouse needs that, you need to know that. So that you can be like, this is how they receive. They, they like that. They like me to hold hands. They're like, I just, that's just it. Just, just, just hold my hand. And that just does something. Great. You need to know that. Fight for your spouse. Fight for your marriage. Affection. Conversation. This is, this is talking. Some of you are really good at that. Some of you not so much. But they, every one of us has things that we like to talk about. We have interests that we like to talk about. I was rock climbing um, last week, and so I'm sitting there, and, and Hunter's climbing up the wall, and I'm belaying for him, so he's tied in, and the rope goes up to the top, come back for, to me, and if he falls, I have to catch him and lower him down. And there's this other couple right over here, and I'm, I'm belaying, and this girl is talking to this guy about her... I don't know what it was, but it was something to do with math and artigers and like finding different. And so she's just going off for like 10 minutes. And I'm sitting there listening to this while Hunter's climbing. And I'm like, is he as bored as I am? Like, this sounds so bad. I wonder if he has any clue what she's talking about. And I'm trying to understand like, like, is he entering the conversation or is he just saying, mm-hmm, huh, mm? And I'm like, I have yet to hear him say anything but, mm, uh-huh, yeah, oh, wow. Like, that's it. But she's just like, and I don't know why they couldn't figure this out. And I told him, it has to be on the top, and you can't, and you got to invert it over. And she's just going. He's like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And at the end of this 10-minute conversation, I was like, I still don't know if he understood any of that. I know I didn't, but did he? I was like, I've got to catch him before he leaves. And he got out of there. I was still strapped to the wall, and I couldn't. I was like, doggone it. But he was just being a good listener. And conversation sometimes is just listening. And if you're not interested in what your spouse is interested in, if there's something that they're like, they're always talking about it, let me just give you a little secret, something that can help you. Educate yourself in the subjects that they like to talk about. Because education, knowledge, breeds interest. When you don't know anything about it, you're like, okay, that's great. Becca's decided to pick up guitar. And so she's talking to me about guitar. So she's been playing the guitar. And she's talking to me about it, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying. You might be saying blah, blah, blah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I've run sound for years. I can make it sound good, but when you talk to me about, like, what, what I see, I don't even know how to repeat it because it doesn't even make any sense. But I'm like, okay, if this is something that she's going to get into, I'm going to have to figure this out so I can at least hold a conversation other than that looks nice or that, that sounds good. Like, I'm going to have to do that. But if you're like, well, they're always talking about something that I don't even understand or I'm not even interested, let me just tell you this. Put some effort into it. Get some knowledge. Do some research. 
And you can know a little bit. Maybe it's football, whatever it is that they're into. And you're like, oh. And we seem to be more interested as we understand more about it. The next one on that list was this one. This is financial support. And it's really interesting that about 50% of, of married people in the U.S. that both the husband and wife work. Yet, when we ask, and you ask somebody who's about to get married, and you, you ask him, you say, do you expect your spouse to work and would you still marry them if they said, I don't want to work again after we get married? The majority of the men are like, yeah, I'll still marry him. But you ask the same question to a woman and they're like, no, I will not marry a man who just wants to stay home and do nothing. So when it comes to domestic support, although we still, it is still mostly on him, expected like, hey, you, you, you need to be taking care of things. And you need to be able to talk to your spouse about it, like, okay, how are we doing? And ask, like, hey, are we both working? How is this going? Are we both working? Do you feel like you have to work and you want to work and you don't want to work? And where are we in our family planning and having kids and are we getting close to it? And are you expecting something to not work? Have these conversations and don't let them be hot topics. We already talked about not yelling and being able to just have a conversation and talk without it ruining the day, without it ruining the meal, without somebody sleeping on the couch just because they brought something up but have these conversations where you're talking about it. And can I just say this? I, I do not know why. I have no clue why the world looks down on stay-at-home spouses. Like, I, I do not. Not in the slightest. I think of all the places that somebody could make great. If you're going to make home great, that's awesome. Becca has stayed home almost our entire marriage. There was a little bit where she had a job. Some of it she had, and they weren't even paying her, and we didn't know. But anyways, but like, like pretty much, she, she's been a stay-at-home mom. We had kids, and we're like, I don't know, and they kept coming, and there's another one, and you got to take care of that one too. And we finally did figure, that out, figure out what was causing it. But um, you've, I do not understand why the world looks down at it at all. I... This week, we kind of, kind of ran a little tally here of what it would cost me to replace Becca. So she's the chauffeur. She chauffeurs everybody around. We're about $26,000. She does all of our cooking. She's our chef. So about $52,000 to hire someone to come in and do that part of what she does. Child care provider, that's over $40,000. Counselor, $50,000. Event planning, $55,000. Gardener, $45,000. Farmhand, $57,000. Hairdresser, I paid for one haircut my entire life. And you're like, well, it shows. Oh, I like it. So anyways, hairdresser, $26,000. Housekeeper, $24,000. Someone to come do all of our laundry, and we have five kids. It is intense, the laundry at our house. $26,000. The nurse, paramedic, $40,000. She's glued heads back together and all kinds of fun stuff. And then we homeschool all of our kids, $58,000. You want to know how much it would cost me just to hire people to do what she does? About $475,000 a year. Don't let somebody talk you down because you're home and you're doing anything. I do not know why the world tries to make it look like it's anything less. It's so much more. And if you're like, I'm home and I make home great, great for you. 
Don't let the world look down on you because you do. Because you're like, I'm focused on my marriage and I'm focused on my home. And that's the most important. Because the most important thing to me is God and then it's my marriage. That's it. And we live in a home. And it's great not because everything is right where it goes, but because we've built it together. Choose to fight for your marriage and make it great. Don't let it be just okay. Figure out what your spouse's love language is, how they enjoy and how they receive from you so that when you're putting in effort, you're putting it in the right place and it's making a difference instead of just spinning your wheels. We know what spinning our wheels is. We know all about it. There's ice everywhere right now. You don't want to do it. It's energy that gets you nowhere. Decide your marriage is going to be great, not okay. Don't settle for where it is. But say, God, I'm going to do it your way. Marriage, God designed it so that it would be great. So be the closest thing to heaven that we would experience here on earth. And that is what it is meant to be. Your marriage can be better. It's horrible. It can get better. You say, it's good. It can be better. Do it God's way. So often we say, God, we, we pray about God will bless my marriage and make it great. I can tell you how to have God's blessing on your marriage. Do it his way. He doesn't bless what we ask. His blessing is already on his way. And when we reject God and say, God, I don't want to do it your way, we're rejecting God's blessing over and over and over. Do it his way. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. That's what he wants for you in every area of your life. Decide you'll do it his way. We're out of time. Man, I wanted to get through a bit more. But before we leave, I want to make sure that everybody, that every one of you, you know where you stand with God. I don't want to assume that just because you're here, your heart's right, that you know where you stand with God. So would everybody, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And here's what I want to ask. If you're here and you say, you know what, I don't know where I stand with God. If I died today, I don't know what would happen. I mean, I can hope, but I don't know. God made a way where there was no way. Because here's the deal. You don't have to hope. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. Jesus came. He died on the cross, and he paid the price for you and me so that we could be saved, so that we could be set free. He took my place, and he took your place when he died on that cross so that we could be free. He said, I'm doing this. The Bible says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. You can know that your sins are forgiven, you're on your way to heaven, and begin to walk out a relationship with him. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up high, not halfway, all the way up, and then right in your seat. We're going to pray together. When we say amen, you can know your sins are forgiven that you're on your way to heaven and begin to walk out the relationship that God has for you. Walk in that peace that he has for you. If that's you, get ready. Not halfway, all the way up. Get ready. Here we go. You're saying, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. And today I give my life to him. One, two, three. All the way up right now. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Say, that's me. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, hands down. And everybody, here's what I want us to do. I want you to repeat after me. And we're going to say a prayer with those that lifted their hands in this room and online, wherever you are. Just repeat after me. Let's say this out loud. And those that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. But let's pray. All together we say, Jesus, forgive me 
and make me new. Thank you for shedding your blood for me, for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me and make me new. And from now on, God, I'm yours. With all that I am, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.